2: Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV on a Balsamic Wednesday. Yes, this is from my house, Tom from his, but nonetheless, we soldier on. Pre recorded for today. No show tomorrow. Back with you on a Live Asians Friday. Looking forward to it. If you're watching on War Chant TV, don't forget to like and subscribe. As always, if you're listening on 93.3 Real Talk Radio, thanks for the support, and we appreciate it very much so. Okay, so, Tom, something we've spoken of even last hour and throughout the course of the week, we wondered – on yesterday's seminal Headlines, for example, where you sat in for Corey Clark, I can report Corey is doing better, by the way, for those that reached out and asked. He's feeling better, just a stomach ailment, something maybe temporary. I don't know. Don't want to explore that too much. But people did ask, and I'm glad that they did. We love Corey. He's doing better. All right. On that show yesterday, a lot of the questions that came in had a lot to do with when is the madness going to stop We didn't need headlines for that. We've been talking about that as well. It's on the mind of everybody who cares about the sport. Is anything going to be done anytime soon? And we cited an article about Ross Dellinger on Sports Illustrated, and there's another one uh, that has come out in which it's, um, well, I can only tell you, catching the attention of many in the NIL world, okay? And that is that big money donors – uh, have, uh, certainly stepped out of the shadows to create, as he notes, chaotic NIL markets and less than a year into the NIL era. Officials say the college sports landscape is dramatically shifting to a place and not a good one by that, by that, um, by that measure, I should say, uh, that is booster driven. And it's one that kind of plagued college athletics over a year ago. And, um, They got quotes from Tommy Bowden and others and people like that. But what they're saying now is that it looks like there is a group, and I think, Tom, you just asked it during the break, what does that group even look like, uh, that is efforting uh, new, quote, college leaders plan a crackdown on NIL collectives, that according to Sports Illustrated. Officials are beginning to explore guidelines that reinforce that boosters are in every way prohibited from recruiting schools, not monitoring donors are going to be sanctioned for violating existing bylaws, according to Ross Dellinger. So you surprised to hear that? Well, look, the question I asked
1: yesterday on headlines was what's the deterrent? Like what, what could it be? Is it a reduction of scholarships or roster spots? And do we have to change the terminology to roster spots instead of scholarships in the era of NIL? So, um, I, I think it's great that there's a body out there that is so soon ready to punch back and say, this is ridiculous. We can't this cannot stand, man. But we already know that the NCAA has a sordid history of uh, investigating certain uh, over the boundary line, stepping by Miami, North Carolina, other institutions. LSU is a recent example. So is Kansas now, um, you know, all these programs. And there are woefully different and and a lack of consistent. Uh, penalties being handed down to these universities. So if they're not good at it when it comes to recruiting violations, what makes me believe that they're going to be good at it when it comes to NIL violations or pay for play or inducement or whatever terms that you want to, to bring to the forefront, how can they prove it? And what's the deterrent? Those are the two important things here. It's nice to read a headline that says people want to crack down on something, but the NCAA has said that the integrity of the game matters for generations. And then North Carolina creates a class out of thin air and they don't do anything with it because by the NCAA zone definition and standard, it was available to regular students. So you can't only punish athletes or athletic departments. So I don't believe that they have teeth until I see that they have teeth. It's nice that they want to do something about it, but I don't know what the hell they can do and what they have the resources to investigate and find out.
2: So an excerpt from this that I find fascinating and I agree with you, I'll look at this upon it with a jaundice eye, as we all will. Um, But I think this is interesting. You, You have them citing existing laws, if you will, existing bylaws within the NCAA and you might say to yourself, well, the NCAA is not enforcing anything anyhow. Well, basically in an era of athletes' rights emerging under what we consider, and it's written this way in the article, a toothless NCAA, these groups, and I'm not casting aspersions on any of the groups because I don't know, um, you know, how our own third party entities are operating or anybody else's for that matter. I'm not behind the scenes. We certainly had the good fortune of speaking to rising Spear and others about uh, what the, what the rules are and what they can and can't do and how they're going about trying to help the university, uh, on the up and up to be sure. But, uh, we talk about this in that they don't fear these groups, many of whom now are publicly negotiating for players through the press. They don't fear repercussions, and they often flaunt their coups, if you will. And um, so if, if something's not done, most fear that it's going to get worse. Uh, I'll read a quote for, from the article. What I've learned is everybody is doing this now, says Hugh Hathcock, an auto industry innovator who's worth a half a billion dollars and recently started a collective at the University of Florida gator guard and he donated a million dollars of his own money the landscape is if we don't get the money we're going to lose players to those who will no matter how well a kid likes the university of florida if a school comes in at the last minute and says we'll pay you an extra hundred thousand dollars and we've given them ten thousand dollars well they're gone they're going to leave and that's what we've all feared at florida state because there is somebody with more money all around us and That guy cited the fact that if you're in the SEC, you're trying to compete with Texas A&M, Alabama, and Georgia. Good luck. $100,000, $200,000 isn't going to get it done. Amongst the two dozen college sports stakeholders who spoke to Sports Illustrated over the last six months, there are more than half believe this is a chaotic market of cheating and do not think this is a great example of capitalism in the American way. Experts believe more than 100 collectives exist popping up daily and that basically it's a way for many of them uh, to back their schools. It is boosters backing schools, getting players. And we know this to be true. And that was always said to be illegal. So what I find fascinating is while they can't be inducements and boosters cannot be reaching out on behalf of the university. Well, who the hell? I'm not saying Rising Spear does this or any other collective. But what I am saying is most of them have the name that is associated with the mascot or nickname of their school. So, of course, they're operating, for lack of a better term, at the behest of the university. I mean, if you're called Rising Spear or Gator Club, who are you acting on behalf of? Um, So, there's that's a guy who just admitted to it in the article he gave a million dollars of his own money to help get athletes for florida that's by definition they're in violation and he's admitted to it in an article
1: well i mean that's what matthew quickly said in one of our interviews like to to think about florida state in a way that you know you chose it because it meant something to you that's not the way a player if you think that way and that's how players are gonna yeah you're done You're done. So let's operate in the real world and spare me the platitudes about what real capitalism looks like. Get the hell out of here with that. Whoever said that this is not the spirit of true capitalism. Get the hell out of here with that. That's a ridiculous. That's over here. That's got nothing to do with what's going on right now. What's going on right now is something that I don't know that you can stop. I don't know that you can stop it, even when it comes down to classifying, you know, players as employees and maybe doing away with scholarships or using the hybrid model I've been pushing for 10 years, which is they get to choose before they enter the university structure. You want to be an employee or do you want to be a student? One or the other. You can't be both. Nothing matters. At that point, you still make a choice and a booster still throws you money under the table like they were doing before NIL was legal. So I just I don't know how you stop this. Unless there's some sort of federal fine or and I know it, everybody balks at at regulations, especially on the federal level, because it adds bureaucracy and more red tape. But I think in this instance, this is so unregulated that you need some regulations and real penalties to scare people off that they won't act in these kinds of self-interests. Because if it's a slap on the wrist or they reduce your scholarship count by one or two, like, who cares? I'm like, What is the deterrent is my biggest question when it comes to these types of agencies that are trying to stop NIL pay-for-play stuff.
2: Well, The, big, the biggest problem, though, is, again, I think one thing that is most assuredly true is the fact that this is not name-image likeness. This is pay-for-play. That's what this is, that's all this is. And that was what they were seeking to avoid and that's not what anybody was for, including those of us that wanted to see the athletes get paid. We wanted an athlete to be able to benefit from their Jersey sales, from the images of them competing on the field that help sell tickets and make the university and athletic department millions of dollars. If you're a Heisman winner, like Jameis Winston was, like Tim Tebow was, I think I cited the numbers all those years ago. If you win the Heisman and a national championship, the next year you're worth somewhere in the neighborhood of 14 to $24 million for a university. And we thought in that moment, it seems a little absurd that he wouldn't get a piece of that for being, uh, you know, kind of directly responsible for it. And most people, most fair-minded people, kind of said, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, there are exceptions. There are players who transcend, who are doing things for the university, like make the coaches, athletic department, the university millions of dollars. They ought to be able to get a little bit more than they get now, which is a whole lot of nothing besides books and housing. So- That is where we said, okay, name image likeness makes sense. Yes, if a guy can get out there and make some money off his jersey sale or off of supporting a car lot or whatever, we wanted that. But we didn't want pay for play in the way that it's really kind of worked out now on the heels of, okay, name image likeness. We just got to get it back to being name image likeness. But even if you do that,
1: you know, and a guy needs to go and sign autographs at a car dealership or something like that, and you decide, you know, as the car owner, dealer owner, to pay 50 grand for that one appearance. I mean, who's to stop you from doing that? That's the thing. Like at the only point that it becomes a problem is if you don't declare that on your taxes, you know, cause I don't see how you can stop somebody. If, if we were offered to go to a speaking engagement, perhaps one, you know, where there's golfing involved. And I'm not saying this is happening cause it ain't, but there was a check for 500 grand waiting on us to go do that for two days. I would
2: do it, Tom. I want you to know I would do that.
1: So would I, and what's illegal legal about that? You just got to declare it as income. That's the only thing you've got to do. Yeah. So I mean, uh, how do you stop it? I, I just, I, I don't know once that it was allowed for a player to receive beyond the stipend, the full cost of attendance. Once you allow that to happen and they just so happen to choose Southern Cal, like, okay. So they go show up at a comic book store near the, you know, the Chinese theater and there's a hundred thousand dollars for them. I mean, What can you do about that? I don't know that any NCAA organization or whatever this organization is going to be has any teeth to stop anything about it. They can investigate it all they want, but what are you going to do? Take away scholarships. You need to see the penalties and you have to have the manpower to do these investigations, because my guess is you probably need to be in about 25 college markets at once.
2: Yeah, I I will end this by saying I've got a wonderful picture of you and me at the Chinese market in Los Angeles. At the uh, – or theater, I should say, the Chinese theater there. Yeah. So
1: I plead ignorance. I had no idea because there was, like, Spider-Man out there and all. Yeah, and yeah, like, and, and there was also – remember
2: that? There were Star Wars people and everybody else too,
1: yeah. Yeah. And they were taking pictures, and you're like, they want money. I'm like, what? I-, I thought these were just freaks who were, like, out <laughs> there. And, you know, you're like, no, they're doing this because they want you to tip them. I'm like, oh, I had no idea. And you would yeah. think going to Times Square, you know, all a bunch of my life, I would have gotten that concept of we want a photo for some money. But uh, you thank you for teaching me that because you're like I got you I got cash here you go get the hell out. Of I like
2: I like in that moment that I I stepped up there. I mean I I was proud of myself. I was like boy Tom is like a little kid right now. He doesn't recognize that this is not innocent at all. They want money. <laughs> He's just trading lightsabers with this guy, not realizing that dude wants some cash. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well you're like go ahead go mess with this guy I'm like yeah sure okay whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, okay let's go to let's go to In and Out Burger. You're like no you got to pay him I'm like pay him.
2: Yeah. for what <laughs> i would have never done this and then we went to the in and out burger where i witnessed the greatest weave in the history of weaves and i will forever hold on to that and i should have probably been shot by rights for that guy because i was so obvious by the soda fountain i was like look at this wig it's unbelievable Unbe-. he looks like he's in the freaking mafia it was great oh man jeff showed show 3 real talk radio watch tv Since we're going to be absent on Thursday, we could not leave our friends in the lurch. If you look here on the feed that you're watching on Warchan TV, and even if you're just listening on 93.3, go talk radio. We thank you for all of it. All the support is greatly appreciated. You'll see the people that are business partners with us. You can see in the corner where Orange Theory is. You can see Chad and Shannon, my dear friends, at the legendary team that is Hamilton Home Loans. Chad and Shannon, obviously, uh, partnering up with the Jeff Cameron Show some time ago. You get the very best in home loans from them. Uh, but now it's time to solve for the future. Yay. And there it is up there on the screen brought to you by ISF of Tallahassee. And I mention our friends at ISF all the time. Maybe you work in state government and you've got ideas, uh, but you don't know how to implement those ideas. And listen, there are a lot of brilliant people that sit around every day thinking of better ways uh, to improve processes and streamline workflows and all that stuff. And uh, they understand the new technology and they They want to do uh, what we all want to do, which is reduce costly inefficiencies and those kinds of things. That's where ISF comes into play. They're here in Tallahassee, but they've worked in 18 states for state and local agencies. They've served millions of citizens across the country, um, 40 years in business, uh, and they do. They help state governments solve the future using strategy, process, and technology technology. You probably want to know about their clients and their capabilities and their resources. If you want to know all of that, it's transparent right on their website. Go check it out today, isf.com. Read about the many things they've done over this long period of time of solving the future for their constituents and their clients and those who uh, need the consulting services and expertise of ISF. And this is a simple one today. Again, in our absence, we thought we'd have a little fun. This is the easiest and straight to the point of solving for the future. Now, what I would tell you is it's probably not a good idea to uh, to smoke weed and drive fast. I think we all agree with that. Just not a good idea. Alabama and former All-American corner, newcomer Alabama, Eli Ricks, I should say, booked on charges of speeding, driving without insurance, and possessing marijuana Sunday evening. He was transferred to He transferred to Alabama from LSU in the offseason. He was arrested by the Mississippi Highway Patrol and booked at 5.15 p.m. So, Tom, I'm going to tell you here, if you are a player, Eli Ricks is, and you have to drive in the Deep South and in particular into Mississippi, you ought not do so without insurance. You ought not do so at rapid speeds. And you really ought not do so without insurance and rapid speeds while high and in possession of marijuana. I'm gonna solve for the future. Don't do any of those things. Don't have the weed in the car. Don't get high and drive fast. Don't drive around, period, much less from Alabama into Mississippi without insurance. And don't do so while well, maybe a little hopped up on goofballs. There you go. I've made it real easy. And you might say, why would you choose such a silly, obvious thing, Jeff? Because Once a week on this show, if I wanted to, and I don't because it's old hat by now, this story exists. There is an athlete somewhere dying to jump in his car or her car to be very high while doing so and then deciding to drive without their lights on or no license plate or at great speeds doing both. All the while, windows down, music blaring, high as a kite, wondering how it is they're now in jail. It was so preventable on so many levels, and there have been so many cautionary tales prior to this one. But guess what? I bet you next week I'm going to find another one because it's always happening, always happening. There you go.
1: The most corporate-friendly solving the future I think I've ever heard, first of all, because (laughs) it's talking about (laughs) don't get on the weed and get behind the wheel. All right. ISF, I get down with that too. There you go. Don't do these things. Uh, But you know what I – When you offer these cautionary tales, I hope at some point, and maybe on the chat it's worth reviewing. I know you said that you're going to go back on Arbor Day. and take Arbor Day in
2: particular, yeah.
1: Has there been somebody who listened to one of these cautionary tales and said, you know what, Camster's right. I need to stop doing that. I'm going to get caught one of these days. And then this is the reason that they stop is because of one of the segments. I hope that's the case. I hope you've helped people with these cautionary tales from Nate Newton to this most recent example and everything in between that maybe you were the reason that somebody is not in jail.
2: In yesteryear, the early days of the show, we invented the Jeff Cameron Show PR firm to deal with these sorts of things. And really the storyline was typically that players of every walk of life, from the city, from the country, black, white, male, female, didn't matter, didn't matter, Athletes in general, for whatever reason, maybe it's escapism, maybe it's the stress of constantly remaining fit 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. The vigilance gets to be too much. They're tired, they're beaten up, and they partake a little too much. And then generally speaking, when they got popped, they lied about it excessively. Usually the lies were absurd. They were over the top. It was somewhat fun to read the things that they had to say. But I also realized in that moment, they weren't going about it the right way because – People didn't find their stories to be A, believable, or B, relatable. So, what we said instead was typically speaking. Now, listen, I'm not talking about the very over the top, serious stuff in which people lose lives and all that other stuff. I'm just talking about these sorts of incidents where you go, ah, it probably could have been avoided there. That's not a good idea, et cetera. Was don't lie about it afterwards. Just say, here's what happened. I'm really regretful of it all. And that's, I've learned the lesson and we're not going to ever have this problem again. Instead of saying, those are my cousin's drugs or I was on the Atkins diet, don't do that. Don't do those things. Just say, uh, OK, sorry, that was the easiest way. But now we've moved on from there because I can't believe that this is in perpetuity a problem. It is the same arrest over and over and over again. We knew him as Ron Trill, not Montrell. In fact, we just called him Trell. Like, I,
1: I don't know, you know, that, that's the guy who had the scooter. Like, I, I never took anybody's scooter. It was just Trell, this guy who was, um, where is he? Oh, I don't know. You know, I don't know. I never learned his last name. I'm sorry. I never learned his last name. L- let's get deep real quick, though if you could have solved your own future and told yourself something when you were 21 years old, we'll make it
2: clean and clear 21 years old, how would you solve your own future? So I have thought about this. I've said on the show a lot of times, Tom, that I was incredibly late to any level of maturity. Like I've certainly given you credit and acknowledge that when I met you, you were very young and I've had fun watching you, you, you know, grow and, and, and mature into the man that you are and we're dear, dear friends. But I could recognize you were young. Even for as mature an old soul as you were, you would say things occasionally and I'd be like, okay. Or you would do something and I'd laugh and I'd be like, eh, in five years, he's going to look back on that and laugh, or at least I will. But still, you were way ahead of the game way ahead of the game. Those were just the normal bumps and bruises of aging and you being in your early twenties or whatever. Um, Me, I was incredibly immature. I just thought life was a party at all times and I needed to be out and about enjoying said party at all times. And, uh, I'd be damned. Responsibilities were going to take a back burner in large part because I found a way to get things done no matter how disorganized I was. And I was able to escape being disorganized and unruly and all of those things and find a path to successes. But I don't know that if I went back and changed any of that would I be here now doing the job that I've always loved, happily married to the woman that is the love of my life with two beautiful kids because if they did, if that was going to change it, then I wouldn't go back and change anything and I would endure all the hardships that I did for being wildly immature and disorganized. And then but at the same time, I want to tell people all the time that I see that I love and care for or that I think are just decent people when they're 22, 23, and they're saying and doing dumb things like, ah, don't do that. Don't do that. I want to like go over and put my arm around him and say, "You're going to really regret saying that. You're going to wish you had never done that." And the oddity is that there is one specific thing. There are several actions in my really early days that I regret. Um, Just you know, I was one of those kids that toilet papered houses around the neighborhood because I thought it was a funny thing to do with my brother, and we would sit in the bushes and giggle as the dad came out, anger angrily, and saw all the toilet paper and stuff like that. Right? No, I wouldn't undo that. That's just simply it's sort of fun childish nefariousness I once insulted a girl at a party when I was 22 years old standing by a keg and in doing so I still regret it I still wish I hadn't said the words that I said and it was nothing over the top like uh that you would be like oh well that makes me recoil I can't believe you said that but it was rather kind of a deep cut It was it was going for the soul because she said a few things over the course of the evening while we were sitting and talking that uh, that maybe bristle that bothered me a little bit. And I had just enough liquid courage in the moment to decide I'm going to uh, make this uncomfortable and say this, this and this about her judgment. And in my judgment, I did exactly what I was saying she was guilty of. And as we're muted, I guess it's my turn then Um, at 20, 21 years
1: old, I'd say. It's time to play more Halo, not less Halo. Play more Halo. That's the right thing to do because guess what? It solves all your problems. <laughs> uh, no, more I,
2: Halo. You yeah. see, once again, it speaks to your maturity. That yeah. you could say the worst I did was play too much Halo, <laughs> and I, sh- I say you should have played more Halo.
1: Yeah, no. I. Oh, there, there are plenty of things to have done differently. But uh, one, one thing I never would have done differently, I had a decision to make when I was uh, 19 years old. And uh, Hurricane Katrina just happened in uh, Louisiana, and they were taking kids around the country that were enrolled at, you know, uh, Loyola or Tulane or wherever, like all all the way around there and helping them out. And uh, I was actually going to, I don't know that I ever told this part about it on the air, but I was going to transfer to uh, the University of Florida. Even though I grew up in Knoll, I was going to go to Gainesville. I had some friends there, and uh, that was was what I had in my head as a backup plan if, if Iona didn't work and I didn't like Iona. And, um, they told me I was going to get in and then hurricane Katrina, you know, messed up the admissions process. And my parents said, well, if you wait it out, you either might like Iona or you might just want to go and and you'll be in Gainesville in the summer. Okay. All right. That sounds good. And it just festered with me. I was like, ah, I got to get out of here now, man. I can't do another semester of this. So I called Tallahassee and I called Florida state and I gave them all the entry requirement stuff. and, And they said, uh you want to start in January? I said, is it possible? They said, oh, hell yeah. Come on down here. We've got a spot for you. And the people on the phone could not have been more disparate in those situations. I was a number when I called down to Gainesville. I was a person when I called down to Tallahassee. So um, I don't know that's the thing I'd redo, uh, meaning uh, I, I should do over and do differently. It's something I would definitely redo, uh, you know, coming down to Florida State. So there's It's not a solving the future. That's how I saw it for my future back when I was 19 years old was I decided on Tallahassee instead of Gainesville and it was the best choice I ever made.
2: Well, I would have spoken to the coach at East Tennessee state university and had him invest more in me. (laughs) 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 I think we both are happy with the way it ended up for both of us academically and otherwise, but that said, man, you saw it for the future in a good way. Here I was insulting a girl at a keg party. That's cruel and unusual.
1: I did so much stuff that I, I, it would kill me to repeat. Uh, <laughs> the, the one thing I'd say for anybody that ever considers going to Iona College and uh, seeing Rick Patino, Don't. Make, yeah, don't or have a car because there's no way to get to the city. It's the dumbest thing. Like, it's right there and you can't get there. It's just so
0: stupid. <laughs>
2: For that. <laughs> all right isf that was a a shoddy solving for the future uh i just thought i would take a very pragmatic practical approach it's like don't go 85 with your lights off if you're doing something silly just don't just don't that's isf solving for the future it's jeff cameron show 93 3 real talk radio war Chant tv
0: the jeff cameron show is a production of the war Chant.com multimedia network Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3.
2: If you, and we ask it once a year, maybe once every other year, if you could have, if you wanted to work in a different field and throw yourself into it, What would it be, Tom? Man, you're going to put me on the spot like that? Well, okay, so I bring it up because they found something cool again, and I always update my people. All you guys know, I'm kind of a fringe archaeologist, if you will. I don't actually practice in any way, shape, or form, and I have no useful skills in the arena, as in identification, understanding of the time period of what I'm looking at, Uh, ability to scrape away dust and rock without ruining the subject. I have no real skills whatsoever in the arena with which I fancy myself to be a fan of, but I do monitor the field. I even subscribe to the magazines and digitally, of course, these days. and, uh, And I read all about the latest things. And every time I do, especially when I come across an interesting one, I bring it up, I bring it to the show, just like I do found articles or paintings or cards or whatever they might be at... A garage sale near you that makes somebody fabulously wealthy. It's been part of the show for a long time. And I read one the other day and I wanted to bring it up here because I find it fascinating. And I do think I would love this but I only love the bottom line. I only love the result. I only love when they circle back and they tell me about the finished uh, project. right? I wouldn't like the day-to-day today, Jeff, you have to get on your knees with this scrub brush and spend the next seven hours in ungodly heat or freezing cold to remove uh, like you know, an inch of dust from what we think might be an ancient femur from some poor bastard who met his end to a saber-toothed tiger. Like, yeah, I never, I wouldn't like that part, but I like reading when they finish it all up a year later and somebody else has done all of that work. And so that's when I bring it up. But I, I want to see. That's what I would throw myself into, but I don't think that I would. I don't know what that would be.
1: I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy doing what I do right now. So I think sure. It would be- some variety of this, like it might be a more anonymous position where it's like your copy editor. all Nobody has those anymore though. But I, I would love to in my inbox every morning or each night, see 15 pieces of literature that people put together that I just got to edit, fix and help move along and then send it on back and get into assembly line stuff. Like that would be the one thing about this career that's difficult is the irregularity of the timing of things. Sure. Like breaking news can happen at any point and you've got to be ready. Uh, especially if it's like your slot of time. But you know, getting into almost a mindless assembly line that's also in the creative field, that would be fun. I'd be okay with that. The backup plan would be maybe be a comp teacher, composition teacher at the English level, uh, early college years or late high school years. We've got so many people who don't understand how to read or write. I mean, you look at like politicians' tweets and you're like, my God, sir, ma'am, how did you even make it out of high school? But apparently that's what's passing these days. So I'd like to improve that. Those would be the two things I'd do.
2: Yeah, well, I had this lament the other day when I was talking to my oldest about his upcoming stint in high school starting in the fall, and then we always talk about higher education, and he has a lot of questions about where you're going next, and I have this, well, you know this is longstanding, this is not just since uh, Bryce got older and Clark is you know, going to be in seventh grade and all that. I've been very angry at the direction of education, in particular at the university level for a very long time because I kind of feel like universities, at least at the undergrad level, have become degree mills. Basically, anybody who gets in is going to pass. You're going to get your degree. So long as you keep those checks coming and they're making that money off of you, you're going to graduate. I promise you you're going to graduate. They're going to be sure of it. How do I know this? They brag about it on the website in which they tell you that of the people who get into their school graduate. There was a time not all that long ago where they took great pride in saying, you couldn't cut the mustard. If you fail, you fail. You suck. You're gone. Tough luck. This is college, not high school. Get it together. But they don't do that anymore because they want another semester's check followed by another semester's check. So you could be dumb as a brick, as Tom just alluded to, and tweet all kinds of asinine things with incorrect grammar. And it doesn't matter. That's the same sort of thing you did when you did your collegiate papers, and it got you a degree, maybe even with flying colors. So I lament all of that, and I'm still frustrated by it. So I'm glad to know that you would have gone back to help educate.
1: I don't know that I'd say dumb as a brick. (laughs) Just unprepared, because I don't think people – People prioritize it, you know. Oh, I think dumb as a
2: brick is apt, but but I, I I'm I'm saying at least at least at the undergrad level.
1: But here they are. I won't play this because then we'd get dinged by the copyrights. But here you go. This this is the guy that they are now. The universities. They're Dean Martin. They're Dean Martin <laughs> from Back to School. <laughs> Did you? Are, is that work your own, Dean Martin? I can't lie to you. Yes, it is.
2: Yes, it is.
1: I'm satisfied.
2: <laughs> it's one of the it's one of the great lines in that scene. Just the look on his face is so good. Yeah. I love it. I love and then it.
1: the professor goes, I'm mortified. He goes, well, gee whiz, Phil. The man <laughs> said his work. <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> well,
2: gee whiz, Phil. It's such a great line. Okay, so let's circle back to what I was going to say. And that is that archaeologists suspect that the sandal that they discovered recently under the ice in the mountains of Norway is some seventeen hundred years old, and it was worn with fabric, animal skin, fashioned as primitive as a primitive sock, basically. So this is kind of cool, Tom. Get this: in the fall of 2019, a hiker was in Norway uh, and came across this rather curious thing sticking out of the ice and these days with the ice melting as such we're discovering all kinds of cool things including animals we never knew existed and the bones of creatures that have us confused and of course artifacts from yesteryear to say the least 17 year 100 year old shoes for example in this case a sandal now this guy that was walking was not an archaeologist so he said hey what is that thing sticking out of the ice and uh i don't know i don't know what that is and his partner said i don't know what that is either but it looks like it could be important so they radioed down. They sent GPS coordinates. Now, think about how thorough this son of a gun is. This guy cares deeply. I mean, very deeply. He sent GPS coordinates along with some photos that he took and left it in the ice. And he said, hey, guys, we found this thing up here. It seems like it might be important, but we're going to keep it rolling. We don't want to screw it up. So then the archaeologist at the Espen Finstad of the Secrets of the Ice told Live Science recovery team. There you go. They went up there to find all of it, and they did. They examined the sandal, and using radiocarbon dating, they determined that it originated some, as I mentioned before, 1,700 years ago. They uncovered numerous shoes, by the way. This is the oldest they have ever found, and it's unique. But here's the deal. They wondered how it was found in that snowy mountain in the first place, and here's the deal. Uh, basically there was a time, um, it looked stylistically by the way, like Roman sandals of the same era, but it's impractical for the snow and ice. And so what they think is that there was a route that a lot of people walked with their horses and stuff. Um, where they would have to get through this one pass, this one area. Wasn't a great area, it was rather uh, dicey, Uh, but they found later on a bunch of horse dung all around these sandals and also leaf fodder and arrow shafts and other items. So now they know what they theorized to be true about this one little pass in Norway that everybody used for the trade routes at the time. It was used and there's a bunch of ancient horse poop to go along with the sandals. Some 1700 years old and along with other people who fell along the way and died a most certainly gruesome death? But there it is. That's so cool. Seventeen hundred year old shoes. Well, there
1: you go. That's uh, also something you said the first hour, which is you think you know something. Wait five minutes or, or wait a couple days, because that's the process of science. And archaeology is most certainly a scientific process. Is you think you know something, and then there's like six different kinds of T Rexes. You know, not only two. You know, there you go. The things that were in the museum in New York, I don't know. That probably was not a real dinosaur. But but there's a combination of a bunch of these bones. And those guys, they actually had bigger jaws. And it, it just it goes on and on. But it refines what we know of the world. And people were wearing sandals. And they were probably being mocked even back in those days saying, what
2: are you wearing sandals for? Put on Wearing sandals and they tied them together and they made them out of sheepskin and everything else. And then they had to go through these cold ass mountains and it was less than ideal terrain to be wearing sandals. And then they got killed because they couldn't run. I love how many people they find these days with arrows in their backs. I'm always like, oh my God, people didn't fool around back in the day. If they encountered somebody, they were quick to fight guy. They never sat around and had any sort of mumbled conversation. They were throwing
1: spears. Okay, so the two things that are really hard to picture for us, like, because if you try and think about what is the world like 5,000 years ago, what is the world like in the year 420? You can't do it. Your brain can't do it. But when you're trying to envision these people, you got to think they're a bunch of Danny DeVito's running around. Like, that's what it is. Mostly speaking, they're about that size. And there weren't a whole lot of other people. Like, we're so used to being crowded at all times. Yeah. Even in desolate Tallahassee, you know, I'm over in the Buck Lake area. You know, there's still a lot of freaking people over here. There's a lot of cars. But if you saw somebody back in those days going through a pass or whatever, that's not good. You don't, you're not comfortable seeing other people unless it was in a town or a protected area. You're not used to running into people just, you know, haphazardly saying hello. It was usually throw the spear first, ask
2: questions later. Well, also because nobody had anything. Everybody was hungry. Everybody was starving. Everybody was seeking that thing they don't have. And so there they are all without anything, wandering about, trying to get to something, thinking we need to get things because this is not good, man. I'm starving to death. And so is this dude over here. And what are we going to do? Oh, there's somebody else. So they're trying to do the same damn thing. And I bet you what they're willing to do is kill my ass to get to that thing. So then they decide, let's hide behind this rock. And when that dude walks by, that's his ass. Well, he could be nice. He could be, but I'm not waiting around to find out. And then that's it. That's all. That's how it works. We'll come back, wrap it up momentarily. Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Jeff Cameron Show. Feels a little bit, at least for us, like a libations Friday. I'm not going to lie. That poor Salt in the wounds for those that it's not a libations Friday. For it. It's not. We're back this week. We're back this week. We're just not on tomorrow. We will be back on Friday. So I uh, look forward to being back with you then and hopefully we're talking about good things. Maybe by then, Tom, we will have learned that uh, Florida State has hit the jackpot, baby. All of a sudden, we've got Four offensive linemen, a star wide receiver and a beast of a Russian that have all said, we're coming to Tallahassee. It's time to whoop that ass.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, we can dream. We can dream. Maybe we could grab one from uh, somewhere in Alabama and take them back with us. That'd be good.
2: Yeah. Well, so for those, again, we told you at the outset of today's show, we won't be in town tomorrow because we're, we're going on a business uh, meeting, but also we're not lying. We're we're playing golf at a nice place in uh, Alabama. And, and, and I don't know this course. I I know uh, certainly everybody knows Robert Trent Jones golf courses of which there are a, a gazillion, right? And they're like, the whole trail, uh, of, of course. And I've always wanted to play some and we get an opportunity, uh, starting, uh, starting, uh, well today, as you're listening to this and tomorrow and, uh, and then we'll be back in time, um, uh, to do a show Friday. But, but the point would be, uh, I've always wanted to, I've always been excited to, to play it, but I don't know about you. I get slightly nervous when I'm playing new courses that are beautiful. I get, I don't want to screw them up. I want to do right by the course. I remember we played TPC. I played TPC Sawgrass. It took me four holes to get over thinking about the shots I'd seen other people hit on that course. Now this is different because they, they, these aren't that, but I remember every time we'd go to a hole, I'd be like, Oh, I remember seeing Phil Mickelson hit this shot and Tiger Woods hit this shot. And so, so never thinking I could just wanting to stand where those shots took place.
1: Yeah. I feel the same way. The first time I played legacy here in town, um, cause it's just so, it's so quiet out there. Like the one thing about the huge difference, between uh Don Veller and Seminole Legacy. Of course the, the layout's completely different and I get that. But Don Veller, as you remember, was always so busy. Like people everywhere, students yeah. everywhere. I mean it was a five hour round. You were gonna be playing five, five and a half hours. And at Legacy everything is is spread out so much that when you go, it's just it feels like you're on an island. You're just it's just by yourselves. You're like, hoo this is nice. So the good thing for us tomorrow is that we start and we'll have finished it by now, but um we're playing a nine-hole. Uh, we're playing the par three course, the short course. So a little shootout. That'll get you warmed up for the championship level eighteen-hole courses. Is playing a little par three. So that that should get you in good spirits.
2: You're wearing the hat. The timing couldn't be better. There it is. North Florida Payroll Services, our friends. There, look at that. Lean in and look at that beautiful cap. Ah, there we go. We thank them for sponsoring Probables. If you would, Matthew, cue it up. Hit that Probables music or sounder and I will get that's right I took the time to look ahead to probables for the day that we're not going to be here it's a beautiful thing
1: it's time for how you
2: say with the pitching uh, probables D-backs Marlins Madison Bumgarner goes for the D-backs Marlins Elcier Hernandez Pirates Tigers Dylan Peters Michael Pineda Pirates-Tigers making up for the postponed game yesterday. Jose Quintana and Alex Fado. Padres-Guardians, Mackenzie Gore and Kyle Quantrill. We got the Padres and the Guardians again. Both TBDs, they also have makeup. Weather, weather's been bad a couple different places. Cardinals, Royals, Adam Wainwright, Chris Bubick. Chris Bubik isn't getting anybody out, just so you know, by the way. Uh, I know not everybody is paying attention to the 7-14 Royals, but Chris Bubik is 0-2 with a 10-5-0. Ouch. Braves, Mets, Ian Anderson, Tyler McGill. We got Mariners, Stros, Matt Brash, Justin Verlander, Rays, A's, Corey Kluber, Frankie Montas, Rangers, Phillies, Martine Perez, Zach Wheeler, Twins, Orioles, Dylan Bundy, Kyle Brandish, Yankees, Blue Jays, Nestor Cortez, Yusik, Gucci, Angels, Red Sox, TBD, and Garrett Whitlock, White Sox, Cubs, Lucas Giolito, and Kyle Hendricks. Full slate, baby. Reds, Brewers, Vladimir Gutierrez, Freddy Peralta, Nats, Rockies, Patrick Corbin, and Austin Gomber. Very quietly, the uh, Rockies uh, are 13-9. and nine. Uh, Giants, Dodgers, Alex Wood in TBD, and that is a look at those that shall reside on the bump. There you go. All right, Got any wagers for the upcoming weekend? I do. I looked ahead to that as well. I thought about it. We'll be able to talk about it on Friday, but the tournament gets underway on Thursday, and we're not doing a show on Thursday. So I thought, you know, what should we do here? Where well, should we go? Look at some uh, particular bets. I like these three guys on your fantasy lineup if you're feeling good. I like Corey Connors at twenty to one. I like Abraham Answer at twenty eight to one, and I kind of like Cameron Young and Seamus Power both at over thirty five to one. Just saying, sprinkle it into your little fantasy lineups. We're back. Golf tournaments are getting normal again. I didn't know what to do with the tournament last week in Mexico because that's the first time the Mexican Open has occurred. It's already happened, but it's never happened at that particular course, so it was hard to get a feel. And if you jump. The favorite in John Rom. There was no real value there. And John Rom won. And you want to know how good John Rom is? He won and he didn't play well. <laughs> That's how good John Rom is.
1: No, he did not play well at all. And uh, there was actually a shot on 18 because I watched the final four or five holes. Since it was a one-shot spread, I thought, no, you never know what kind of fireworks might come here. It's it's definitely for John Rom like a situation where it's don't choke rather than go get it. It's like, don't yeah. choke, man. This is you're not playing anybody. And uh, it was Kurt Kitayama. It was on the 18th hole on a little plateau shelf to par five to the left of the bunker. And my man hits it above palm trees, 214 yards over the green, just in the bunk in the, in the bunker. He was about two feet away from hitting one of the greatest shots I've ever seen. So you never know, even in the, in these lesser than tournaments, you might see some greatness. So enjoy it. Uh, I don't even know where they're playing though. If you said it, I didn't hear it.
2: Well, you know? what I'm telling you is that, um, they are, uh, Roy McElroy's in this field. It's a better field. Tony Finau played exceptionally well at the end of last week and went crazy on a birdie fest. If he finds his putting stroke, which is always the case, he could be interesting against this again this week. Abraham answers in this week. Again, he'll play well on this course. So, Anyhow, point is, you've got better star power this week. Should be a little bit more fun. And I want to give you some guys that maybe you can win a Daily Fantasy tournament with. All right, that's it. That's all. We're back with you live on Friday. Our thanks to Matthew for helping us out with this, putting together the show. Uh, My thanks to Tommy, as always. Good work out of you. Thanks to all of you who watched and or listened. We appreciate you. We'll be back Friday. Have a great day tomorrow, everybody. Peace.